Shalom Alechem, all my Yahudim, my Yidin. For any of the Goyim listening, have a great weekend. It's Friday. Enjoy your weekend. You don't have to schwitz anymore. But Shabbat Shalom. For anyone who is celebrating Shabbos, enjoy the Nachis tonight with your Mishpache. Anyways, let's get into kids. Let's get into kids again. Wow, this book is awesome. And and just remember, every time you hear the word kid, reflect back on yourself. This book is how to be a better human being, not about kids. All right, take care. Enjoy. I guess you could call this a second intro, but there's going to be a little bissela of me talking before the actual kids part in this podcast, because I'm starting to read a book called The Power Now, which is incredible. I really recommend it to anyone who wants to go deep. And I couldn't help but express this realization I had that we're borrowing everything and that our identity doesn't exist and our ego doesn't exist, whatever. And you'll hear me just in the midst of this realization at work. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. This is super random. I'm doing this without a microphone at work. I I think I'm detaching completely. I This is random, but I feel like I'm kind of going through ego death the more I learn about this stuff. Because I can't even say certain words anymore without my mind talking while I'm trying to talk it and it's so annoying and it's just super convoluted in my head if you're wondering what I'm even thinking it's when I say I me my and I start using these identity words I'm thinking like no I'm borrowing this vessel my body I'm borrowing my thoughts I'm borrowing the awareness of my consciousness like this none of this is mine so then like I'm just all these floating variables banging off each other and I've just been taught to use these words I don't know it's like I'm just detaching and you think okay Zeb how come you're even striving for goals why are you still working why are you investing and you know what I'll tell you I'll tell you exactly it none of it matters and that's why I will do it is because ironically I am aware of my will to live and if you're wondering where did I just jump off to why did I jump to the will to live I realize that chasing these things chasing the money the investments the the goals chasing these goals these desires is my will to live that is my body my brain wanting to continue to survive this is literally how humans survived so long as I mentioned in an old episode we survive so long because of these we're goal-seeking mechanisms, and I just realized this, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just being a human. And when I say I, ah, even then, like, and 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 this is what's frustrating too is like, <sighs> I'm realizing I have no control over other people's definitions and beliefs. And again, you're wondering, is that why'd you just jump to that? Well, when I say, I want to keep justifying myself. Notice how I keep telling you. Well, when I say I and me and my, like, it's not me. See, this is me justifying. This is to tell you that when I, like right now I'm doing it, when I say that, I can't even say that with full integrity. I'm saying this just so other people understand. Because it would sound like it. I'm a sugar nerf. I spoke strictly like this. My borrowed vessel consciousness thoughts and nervous system have programmed me to want the money to to tell you this has program uh has programmed my borrowed vessel and thoughts to tell you a borrowed individual that 
I know this. Like, like when I say that, it's it's. I'm I'm sure you're confused right now. So instead, I just say, I feel the need to justify. Boom. And now I am talking in the same way that everyone's agreed to talk. And I don't know. It's it's just hey morning. And uh, yeah. Anyways, that that's just like a thought where I don't know. I don't know. It's it reminds me of uh, like the fourth and the fifth agreements, and yeah, it's I don't I don't know whether it's like freeing or isolating to be honest. Okay, folks, time to jump right into the first quote, which I put in bolded letters to increase a child's emotional intelligence. You must help them be aware of their own emotions so guess what i'm going to say now to increase your eq you've got to be aware of your own emotions start acting as the observer to all your emotions because they're not really yours and first off that's not you they're not clinging on to you it's like a cloud rolling by and you're the sky observing the clouds when a child this book would say teach them a growth mindset which means when a child does start saying I don't like that we're stuck here at this museum. Will you say, we are here? How can we make it better? Boom. That's a growth mindset. Teach them a growth mindset. So a researcher, his name was Stuart Shanker. This is so cool. He teaches children to self-regulate. So you, must, you first must teach routines and needs. Get the kids sleeping and eating healthy. While you educate them on their body needs. This is going to stop from behaviors contradicting their regulatory nature that is so good like imagine this because when you get in them into these routines and understanding what they need they aren't this is a regulatory thing for them like they're not going to stray from this regulatory nature as he would put it they're going to be so ingrained on what feels good that they're not going to start contradicting that and going about and doing things that are unhealthy and for you that's something we all need to hear if you teach yourself to be in a proper routine and have proper needs, you also will not contradict your regulatory nature. You won't go do the unhealthy stuff when it's a identity. You're not going to do the unhealthy things when you start identifying with a healthy person. You're not going to do all the bad things you don't want to do when it's literally a habit when you don't know any better. So this book taught me that self-regulation and emotional intelligence go hand in hand. If you're aware of what you need, and you're also aware of how you feel. That is the first step to knowing how others feel and what others need. (laughs) There were 12 questions in this book to teach you as a parent whether you're fostering your child's emotional intelligence or not. And there are a few I'll highlight here that I enjoyed. How do you handle your reaction to a threatening situation? Think about that. If you don't handle it well, are you open to working on that? And this is what I'm saying. This book isn't just a parenting book. I want you to think about your own life. Do you handle threatening situations well? Is it as bad as it seems? If it is, how do you cope? And are you okay working on that? We can all work on that. I don't care. If you're a Buddha, I don't care. A part of me is almost down to just scrap the whole children thing, like this whole child talk, and just start replacing the word kid with you or me. Because, for example, it says, do you engage your child in conversations about your personal belief systems and feelings and attitudes, blah, blah, blah. Do you welcome their response and opinion as well? Literally, let's replace that word child with, 
Do you engage with other people in conversations about your personal belief systems and your attitudes and beliefs? Do you welcome that person's response and opinion as well? Do you welcome other people's responses and opinions when you share your, your feelings and attitudes towards stuff? If you do, props to you. If you don't, maybe we got to work on that. Start asking yourself, why don't you welcome their response and opinion? Is there a deep insecurity there? Is there a fear there? It says here, do you provide access to professional counseling if necessary? And really, let's flip that. You listening, do you provide access to professional counseling if you need it? It's, it helps. I, so I've, I've gotten counseling done and some therapy done. I'm telling you folks, like everyone needs to go see somebody. The same way we go see a dentist, the same way we see a doctor once a year. You need to go get your mental health checked on. Why? I don't understand why benefits aren't covering this all the time. Like we literally should have our mind checked out if we're getting our body checked out. We often think that once the trouble has passed, a child will be okay. We forget that long after this, the destruction, some children will continue to need reassurance. And let's flip this, okay? You also need to not be so hard on yourself. Because the hard times have passed, there are still going to be traumas that pop up. And you do need reassurance yourself. You can reassure yourself or have a support system that reassures you. But like, don't think because something's over that you shouldn't still feel certain feelings towards it. Now, the question, the real question is how can we help children develop the coping skills to be resilient in the future for inevitable problems that pop up? That's called anti-fragility. Like that is when someone is not fragile. For you, I want to ask you, the listener. How are you developing coping skills to be resilient in the future for inevitable problems that will pop up? And again, I was just telling Scott, my buddy, and some clients, we think 10,000 thoughts a day, at least. This podcast said just verbally we think that. Like, Imagine the things we don't say to people. How scary is it that if you cannot handle your emotions, if you're even unaware of your emotions... And you have 10,000 feelings and thoughts a day? That's scary. That's a fragile human being if you can't control any of those. You talk about being on a runaway horse or an out of control roller coaster. You know what I'm saying? One of the most simple. So, this is a tip that encapsulates this entire book. And it literally says here two, uh, three words lead by example. That, that right there is the thesis for this whole book lead by example. If you are an awesome human being, you will be a great parent, is what this book says. And leading by example is literally how you do that. There's a saying, people don't remember what you say, they remember how you made them feel. Never forget that. Leading by example, people are going to see, so they do. They, they feel something, so they remember that feeling. They don't remember what you say. And if somebody sees what you're doing, they are motivated. They go, wow, that's really inspiring. My dad or my mom's working out. I'm going to do that. You know, oh, my mom and dad just gave to charity. Oh, my mom and dad just did something for the other person. Oh, they just showed empathy, compassion, sympathy, and love. Wow, I should do that. But it's no different. Let's keep flipping this. If you lead by example, the people in your life are going to be inspired and follow suit. What is it? In Live Like a Monkey says, the arrogant ego demands respect. The humble worker inspires respect. People only remember how you make them feel. This is a golden nugget as well. Listen to what people say, ask, and do. Then tailor to them. When they say tailor, they mean tailoring your lessons, tailoring your advice, tailoring everything 
your criticism. Just tailor things to the person after you see how they talk, what they ask, what they do. For children, obviously, as well. It's not a one-size-fits-all, okay? It's not a cookie-cutter system. This whole world is a case-by-case basis. Every example in this world, every scenario in this world, I mean. So apparently, parents should never underplay a child's worries. For example, saying there's nothing to be afraid of here or providing quick solutions like count to three and jump. Like, those apparently are not good things to do. Instead, apparently, you should listen to the kid Listen deeply. Reflect back what their feelings are, okay? The kid's saying, I'm scared. Of yes, I'm sure you're scared. It's scary. Why? Why? And go deeply. So Sarah Radcliffe, some researcher, she coined the term uh, and wrote that the child must be encouraged to feel all this fear in order to release it fully. And that's a lesson we could all take. We should all be encouraged to feel everything, lean into everything if we want to actually release it. Because you've heard the term bottling, and if you don't release, if sorry, if you don't lean into stuff, it's ju- you're just tucking it away, and it'll fester. It's the mold that grows in the corner. And now let's run with that analogy. So it's the mold in the corner. You've forgotten about it. Now remember, our brain is processing millions millions of things at the same time. So think about when you're walking about. You might just be focusing on the stoplight, but your brain's actually, it's seeing the car, it's seeing the pavement, it's seeing the sun, it's, it's doing everything, and it's subconsciously, actually unconsciously, filtering all that. So you only focus on the stoplight. Now, let's run with this. Because we are always, well, not we, but our brain is always filtering through stuff, it is aware of that mold in the corner, okay? I'm bringing that back in. It's aware of the mold in the corner, the stuff that you're bottling, you are still unconsciously aware of. That is unconscious slash subconscious trauma or it's subconscious unconscious stress. This is why some people who are chronically stressed, they go, what? But like, like, why am I so stressed? Well, there's shit you haven't leaned into and dealt with. So it's the mold that's growing in the corner. And one day it's going to come and, you know, the wall is going to fall off. And that's when... You go, I don't know why I'm so stressed. Well, that's why. You haven't dealt with your shit. So once you've dealt with it, once you've actually gotten in there and fucking scrubbed the mold, it's gone. Then you can then you can let it go. And if we run with this analogy even more, let's say you don't have the chutzpah to scrub it, okay? You don't just don't have it. That's where you pick up the phone and say, hey, buddy, I need help. I need help. Come help me scrub the mold. So when you address things head on, that's how you can even get a support system. You can, you can ask for help. And now you can release it. You've gotten the help. You don't have to worry about the mold anymore because it's been cleaned up by somebody or yourself. And when it's not there anymore, you don't have to worry about it. Now you're looking forward. There is no, no sub slash unconscious stress or baggage. And talk about your world opening up and you're stress-free. And, ugh. and that's what they're saying here with kids. I know I really ran with that, but like, actually, listen up. They're saying when a kid is scared, don't just say one, two, three, jump, or don't, don't just underplay it. And what do they say here? Um, don't just, yeah, don't tell them there's nothing to be afraid of. You need to teach them to, to fucking scrub the mold off the shower, just get in there and deal with their shit. And then they'll be able to release it. This, okay. This chapter was full of gold. Take stock of your own feelings before attempting to address that child's concerns because the last thing you want to do is project your own shit your fears 
your scarcity on the kids concern. Just I'll say that one more time. Take stock of your own feelings before attempting to address a child's concerns. And and just hearing all this stuff, it's so irritating, not going to lie, like how many people become parents and and disclaimer, I'm not saying I'm going to be a great parent. I'm not saying that at all. It just frustrates me. People don't know anything about going inward. They don't look at themselves ever. And yet they're just having all these kids and raising a bunch of kids. You'll notice a trend here, which is it all applies to the golden rule. The golden rule is treat others the way you want to be treated. And this, again, is just model the behavior you want to instill. Uh, Another just pro tip, when discussing your child's fears, issues, and whatever, find a quiet, comfortable place for discussion so they're relaxed. Isn't that awesome? It's so true. Get that kid out of a stressed out environment. A lot of this stuff they mention is how a child becomes resilient. When When you use their challenges as an opportunity to explore and understand their own feelings. Like think how many challenges come up for youth and especially kids once they're a toddler. There's always challenges. They'll become super resilient when you start teaching them how to be proactive about these challenges. And not even proactivity, but just um, uh, perspective. Reframing. So many chances to reframe. Oh, get ready for a big quote, folks. Nothing in life's to be feared. It's only to be understood. Magnificent. Just a gishmak quote. And when paraphrasing this a little further, when digging deeper into that quote, you realize... That mastering learning, that's the best antidote to fear or failure, is to master learning. And then there's nothing to fear anymore when you're educated. Fear is truly just the unknown. Isn't that funny, eh? The Mary's Room Paradox, people. When Mary's Room, I've explained it before, it's when something really sticks. Like, you've kind of known the theory behind something, and then all of a sudden you understand it now. You've, You've lived it. To hear that... To hear that f- failure is just because you do not know something. It's just the fear of the unknown. That is just so true. That it really hits. That hits different. <laughs> Chapter one actually talks about that saying the best way to have kids not fear failure is to give them a growth mindset. Anyways, one of the reasons actually people are subconsciously afraid to succeed is because they're scared of losing that dream. Okay, right? So actually, like this book talks about reassurance and how powerful it is to combat some of this stuff. Have you ever thought about that though? We might not want success because then we'd lose the dream. Yeah, and and I personally don't latch on to that too much. Like, I don't know if I believe that that much, but it's an interesting concept to say the least. And yeah, reassurance can be super powerful to be reassured. That's why I don't know if you have any friends and you can tell they're, they're trying to be validated. How often do you see that? People will say things just to be validated otherwise why would they say it and sometimes uh, don't get me wrong you have to kind of take the bait and be like yeah i do believe in you you are gonna crush this because that's what that person needs they're scared of losing a dream so they want reassurance okay here's a trippy thing that i'm gonna talk about a kid here but you can literally just put an adult instead imagine like this so many adults deal with this not just children it's kind of scary so if kids are taught to be scared of not being perfect They'll actually do anything to protect their perceived perfection, you know, and since it's a fallacy to be perfect, they will literally say no to opportunities because the fear of not being perfect is there by saying yes to an opportunity. That means they're risking not being perfect. They'd rather eliminate that risk than to take it. This is exactly 
what I was talking about. You guys remember my epiphany on yin-yang theory? That you have to accept the contrast in any situation or desire. And I'll reiterate in like 10 seconds here. If you don't. So what I'm saying is if you want to be rich, you have to accept that you could be poor. Because if you were to spend your whole life doing whatever you could not to be poor, you're not going to even take the risk or opportunity to be rich. Since that is such a risk. Since that is such, it's easy when you try to be rich to be poor because you could fail. And so what I'm saying is like some people who are so scared of not being so sorry, uh, people who are so scared of being poor, they won't take the risk to be rich. They'll just eliminate the risk and they'd rather just be mediocre because at least they weren't poor. They're mediocre and they put all their energy to just preventing instead of propelling themselves. And so going off that little piece of information, there's so many kids out there that would literally rather eliminate an opportunity than take it because they're scared of not being perfect. So do not teach your kid that, you know, A pluses and perfection is awesome. Okay. And, and first just teach them that that's not even possible. There's no such thing as perfection. There are some other things perfectionism can lead to, which is overcommitment, procrastination. Yes. Procrastination can be a fear of not being perfect. Procrastination as well. It can just be you escaping emotion you don't want to deal with certain emotions but reduced initiative sometimes comes out of being people trying to be perfect unhappiness challenge avoidance that's horrible underachievement ugh, also horrible in more serious cases children can take on anxiety eating disorders performance paralysis a whole bunch of medical issues and psychological cases like this is why folks you got to teach your kids that perfectionism is a fallacy and replace the word kid with adult. Like teach your friends, teach yourself. Don't even, yeah, don't even look at your friends. Always reflect back in this book. If I haven't told you that a million times already, teach yourself perfectionism is impossible. And you know, think of that poor kid that has been praised for their A pluses and parents are always telling them to get a higher grade. How daunting is it to think that they have to be impressively intelligent all the time isn't that sad and again think not even kids just think about people in your life maybe people who still to this day have that drilled into them because no one's been they haven't listened to this they haven't been talked to about this stuff so it's literally not even subconsciously programmed how crazy is that it is not even programmed in their brain they're ignorantly blissful well ignorantly miserable if you ask me Because now they're just always chasing the carrot that was never going to stop. There were so many golden nuggets in this chapter. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the book says drill home that mistakes are good. Really way farther than you think. Like way farther. This book says you have to drill that really hard. It's good to teach a kid to pace themselves. And this means helping kids develop, you know, reasonable timelines. Only taking on as much as they can handle. You listening too. You need to pace yourself. Help kids develop a sense of humor around failure. That is such a good tip. And you listening, you develop a sense of humor around failure. Okay, start doing that. Because it's a human thing. I always reiterate what Scott told me. Just people take themselves too seriously. And it's the truth. Now the book does say if none of these strategies work, you need to seek professional help. Because it's definitely serious at that point. And with that, I'm going to cut this short. Because I want to keep it at 20 minutes. Thanks for listening. You guys, this is awesome. I always forget how good this stuff is. I'm so glad I write it down. Otherwise, I'd just be gone. I'd forget about it. Anyways, take care. Thanks for listening.
And that does it. I hope you enjoyed another one. This is slowly making me less scared to be a parent. Not going to lie to you. Rate five stars if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you're on Spotify, share this with your homies. Your your mishpoche. All you know. You guys are, are learning a little bit of Yiddish thanks to me. You're welcome. Take care. Enjoy. Have a great weekend. Shabbat shalom. Good Shabbos.